Okay, can I get you all to stand, please? Put your hands in the air. Just shake a bit. Right, sit down again. That's good. Just wanted to wake you up because uh, I want to introduce today's speaker, me. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And this morning, the, the, title of, the title of my message is The Fish. Now, it's hard for me. I don't eat fish. I love fishing, but fish is just one of those foods I've never really liked, apart from tuna. But when I, whenever I say that, people say, that's not fish. Um, but I like tuna. But we, we, this is part of our, our Vision Builders series. Last week, you were given out a Vision Builders brochure, um, and it explains what our, our vision and our purpose for that is. So I encourage you, if you haven't got one, uh, grab one. That they're up the back, I assume. Yeah, good. Um, and read it, and uh, do what I told you earlier in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, um, sort of ask God what he's got in mind for you. But I have a question for you this morning. Would you like to see a miracle? Yes. That was a couple. Okay. Uh, I'll ask that one again. Would you like to see a miracle? Yes. Okay. If you did, what would it look like? Just think about it now. You know, what, what is this miracle that you're believing for? Because unless you can see it, let me tell you, it's, it's not going to happen. Next question what are you going to do with it? Ever thought about that? If God gave you the miracle you were asking for, what would you do with it? What, what would it change? What difference does it make? And so my message to you this morning is if you want a miracle, be prepared. Because if you're not prepared, it won't happen. Let me read you a passage of scripture from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, starting at verse 1. This is, this is Jesus doing his thing. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Church. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now let me digress slightly at this point. In case you hadn't realised, Simon was a fisherman. He wasn't the weekend angler. He didn't go down to Kiton Rocks or Waitpinga or any other place to fish, chuck in his line and sit there with his sandwich and waiting to catch a fish. And when he caught nothing, he walked past the uh, central market, went to the fish shop, picked out a fish, took it home and said, look what I caught. <laughs> that wasn't Simon. His fishing was his livelihood. He knew about fish. And so this Jesus fella comes along and he says, go out where it's deeper, let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Which is his way of saying, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. But he said, but if you say so, just to make you happy, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. 
A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That is a lot of fish. Very slippery. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What's the miracle here? How many fish? Lots and lots of fish. The miracle here was a huge, unbelievable catch of fish. So what does that mean for us? I mean, you know, if we were asking for a miracle and this auditorium suddenly filled up with fish, you'd be happy. <laughs> Not many of us. <laughs> so what, what would that sort of miracle look like to you? What does it look like for our church? It represents, to me at least, a harvest of people into God's kingdom. More people in our church, greater influence and impact in our community. That would be a miraculous harvest, just like that harvest of fish. Is that similar to what people were thinking, or am I on my own up here? No? Good? That's good. Because we're approaching Vision Builders Sunday, and we're asking all of you, through this brochure and through what we're talking about, to actually invest money into the future of our church. There, see, I said it. said that word. Money. We're actually asking for money. We're not asking you to volunteer for anything. We're not asking you to, to help out at a working bee. We're not asking you to accept a leadership role, look after the kids in C3 Kids, come on the worship team. We're asking for moolah, cash, credit even. No. Because it's something we do because we believe in the future of our church. We've specified what that looks like in this brochure. Uh, on this slide behind me, you can see that we're putting our finances into a building deposit so that we can buy our own building. We're putting it into building expansion so that we can keep using and keep developing the building we already have across the road. We're looking to open a campus in a second <coughs> excuse me, location. We're looking for support for our Fiji building projects and for our support of the domestic violence centre here in the eastern suburbs. All of those things require finances. And I think it's very easy to look at that list and, look and think, well, okay, well, what has Jesus called us to do? There's that, that, there's that thing called the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and verse 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and build a building, expand, have a second location, do something in Fiji and support your local women's shelter. <laughs> no, it doesn't actually say that. And I think it's very easy for us to get confused because there's no mention of buildings, locations, missions, and community in that Great Commission. And sometimes I think we ask, why do we do this then if it's not there? And I have one word for you. Preparation. Because if we look at that story I just told you out of Luke, 
It's very easy from our perspective, I think, especially in South Australia, we've got great beaches, to imagine that Jesus is wandering on a beach. Let's call it Aldinga Beach. And he's just wandering along this beach all by himself with a couple of thousand people following him. <laughs> and in the distance, he spots two fishing boats. Thinks, whoa, two fishing boats, how unusual. And so he heads for those fishing boats and, and the owners of those boats just happen to be there. And uh, he says, can I take it out a bit because the, the, the crowds are pressing me and they're having barbecues and stuff and the smoke's getting in my eyes. And how about I get out from the beach a bit and I'll, I'll preach from there. And so we, we've got this picture of the, these lone fishing boats. But if you think about it, nothing could, is further from the truth. He's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It is a fishing mecca. It is a hub and a hive of activity. There are fishing boats lined up from here to there all the way across the shore. Because they've all been out fishing. And we know it wasn't a good night because later on Simon tells us that they didn't catch anything. Now that could have just been their bad luck. But I suspect it was one of those nights on the Sea of Galilee where the fish just weren't biting. And so you've got this whole group of fishermen all down the shore, all bitching and moaning and complaining about the fact that nobody caught a flaming thing last night. So what caught Jesus' eye? What was it about Simon, Peter and James and John that made him go to their boat. Now, I wasn't there, so I don't actually know. But the thing that comes out of what we've just read is, is this. In verse 2, he says, He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. I think he looked up and down the beach, and everybody was sitting in their boats, moaning and whinging about the bad catch. But he saw two fishermen, or there would have been three fishermen, mending their nets. And you still think, what, why did that stand out? Because what, what does mending or washing your nets represent? They were preparing for the next day's catch. They were the only people on that stretch of beach preparing for the next day. And you think, well, what on earth were they doing that for? They caught nothing. Why would you wash your nets? They're empty. Now, I don't know whether you've ever done any fishing like that but let, let me tell you when you catch nothing of value doesn't mean you don't catch nothing old boots tires automobiles I'm not sure that they actually would have caught any of those um, but the nets tear on rocks and, and debris and stuff under the wall they come up torn and you've got to mend them and get rid of all the rubbish that's in the net and so he saw these people preparing for something they were, they were ready for the next night's fishing. They, they were despondent that they hadn't caught anything. And more than despondent, because as I said, it wasn't like he could go to the fish shop and pick up a fish, go home to his wife and say, see, see what I caught? Because he was the fish shop. If he didn't catch any fish, there were no fish. He didn't feed his family. There was nothing going on in his life which was positive. He wasn't happy when he said, oh, last night, no, we didn't catch anything. It was like last night. Jesus, we, we went out, we got nothing. It, it wasn't a good night. You know, I, I didn't earn anything, I, I can't eat. It, it's not a good thing. And so we've got these people who, although they're despondent and disappointed, are preparing for what they are supposed to do. See, vision builders is our preparation. We're preparing for our future. Doesn't matter what's happened in the past. We're planning for expansion. We're planning on building influence. We're planning on having an impact by reaching out to communities locally and globally. We are mending our nets. 
And the interesting thing is that then, after he'd finished speaking, he performed a miracle. And it says in verse 4, when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And this is where Simon, because he's, he's an expert. Who's an expert in their own life? Who knows their life pretty well? I mean, just look at the person next to you. Do you know your life better than them? That makes you an expert, doesn't it? And so Simon's here, he's an expert at fishing and he knows, because he's watched Jesus, he knows Jesus is an expert at the word of God. Now I know that if, if, I, if I need a plumber, I don't ring my friend the electrician and say, come and fix my pipes, because he's an expert in the wrong area. I find a plumber and a bank. <laughs> <laughs> And so Simon is looking at Jesus and saying, I know you're a great man of God. I know that you're good with the word of God, but man, oh man, you know nothing about fishing. And here you're telling me to go out into the deep. And so he says, but because I respect you, let's just chuck the nets out. Really deep down he's thinking, we'll show this Jesus fellow. <laughs> we just chuck him out and see what happens. And so he does. But the catch is so enormous that the nets begin to tear and he has to call in the other boat, and they fill them to the point of sinking. Now, we might think that Jesus performed that miracle, and he did. But he couldn't have performed it unless Peter, or Simon Peter, had been prepared. See, imagine if he'd put down the nets and they hadn't cleaned them. They would have torn right through and he would have got nothing. Even the, even the fully repaired nets began to tear. If Simon hadn't actually been doing what he knew to do in his life, if he hadn't prepared for his future, notwithstanding any miracle that was going to happen, but he was doing what he knew to do, what God had called him to do, and he was prepared for that. If he hadn't been prepared, that would have caught nothing. So he found, this is why Jesus sought them out in the beginning. He saw people who were prepared, and he had a miracle happen in their lives. The second thing is that he had to be prepared to trust in Jesus because he knew that Jesus was talking out his hat. He knew that Jesus, he was a carpenter's son or possibly a stonemason's son. We know he was a tradesman of some sort. He had applied himself to, uh, 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 to be an artisan in a totally different form of production. And, uh, and there the weren't jacks of all trades back then. I mean, skill sets were very closely guarded. And so Simon knows that Jesus knows squat about fishing. And yet, and sometimes I, we believe that about Jesus in our lives. You know, have you ever said, you know, oh God, but you don't understand. You don't know what my finances are like. You don't know what, my, what a mess my relationships are in. Of course he does. What, we, what we're saying when we say that is, God, I am not going to trust you with my finances. I am not going to trust you with my relationships. I am not going to trust you with that part of my life. And so we actually have to be a bit like Simon here and say, well, okay, I think I'm an expert, but I'm going to bow to the knowledge and the presence of Jesus Christ in my life and allow him to do what he wants to do with my life. So when it comes to that, we've got to trust Jesus here. And we're trusting him with a sacrifice that we're going to make, which is why we need to pray about this. It's not a question of come Sunday fortnight when we say, okay, let's 
can I get you all to fill out these pledges? We're going to put them in the basket up the front. We're going to pray over them. And we're going to give people an option of doing it weekly or fortnightly or monthly for the next 12 months or just to you know, put a million dollars in all at once. I don't care how, how you do it. Um, and, uh, hey, you've got to think big. <laughs> um, one day it'll happen. But it won't happen unless we're prepared. So, but you need to pray about it. You say, God, what, what is it you want me to do? How much am I contributing this year? What about, and it's frightening. I've been praying already and God has told me frightening stuff. So frightening I haven't told my wife about it yet. I'm just <laughs> mentioning it now to hope, help soften the blow and she's talking on the front row and hasn't heard, so I'm pretty safe. <laughs> and so it's important that we trust in God. That, because if we're prepared, our preparations... Simon was preparing for an okay catch the next night, he hoped. But God overwhelmed him with a miracle. We, we, do, we actually have to do this and, uh, and say, okay, I'm doing this. What if nothing happens? What if I just get an okay catch? We're prepared. But when God brings a miracle, and I believe God will bring a miracle, if we are not prepared, he's going to find some other church to perform his miracle in. Be prepared. And now we come to the third and the final step in Simon's preparation. And this, this one really hurts. Luke chapter 5, verse 10. His partners, James and John, the son of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is stupid. They have just caught the biggest load of fish in their lives. Not only that, they've cornered the market. Nobody else has caught a thing. They have two boats filled with fish. They could have commanded any price they liked. They would have made enough money to have been able to retire to the, the Palestine for the rest of their lives. They could have gone to the... Oh, no, they were in the Holy Land, yeah. But the opportunity that the miracle Christ had given them was going to make them rich. Who's ever, who's ever asked for a miracle of winning cross lotto? <laughs> Do you know, and this might not be the only reason, but one of the reasons I believe that God has never allowed any of us to pray to win cross lotto and let us win is that we would not do what Simon did. If we, when we won it, God said, give it away, we'd say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but this is, this is exactly what he said to Simon. He, he's got this huge load of fish and he says, don't be afraid. Now you're going to be fishers of men, follow me. And they dropped everything and followed him. We're called to do the same thing. Luckily for us, Jesus doesn't operate quite that dangerously in most of our lives. But if we don't have that attitude that we're prepared to let him, we won't get anywhere. If, if God is going to bless us, we have to be in a place where we say, and Vicky talked about it in communion, Paul's there, I don't care what I've got, it is nothing compared to my relationship with Jesus Christ. Most of our lives is a test to see how true that is in our lives. If God gives us blessing, we often look at the hand and say, God has blessed me, look at how blessed I am, this is wonderful. But we forgot to, forget to look at God's face and say, I serve Almighty God, I serve Jesus, because all of that is rubbish. It's all garbage before my knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
But most of us would say, garbage, no, this is good. This is because Jesus gave this to me. You're not taking it away and neither are you. (laughs) That's our attitude. God gave me this. He wouldn't take it from me. But the thing is that I've discovered the more you can release to God, the more he'll fill the space. The bigger the barn that you build and the more often you empty it, the more God will fill it and say, build bigger barns. But the more we hold on to, guess what happens? The barns develop holes and rats come in and they eat what's in them because we try and store it for today. Whereas Jesus says he's got something much better stored up for us in the future. We need to recognise that we are not called to be rich in a worldly sense. We're called to be rich in a godly sense. Are you prepared for a miracle this morning? Either in your personal world or in the world of C3 Norwood? Because I'm here to tell you, it won't happen if you're not prepared. Be prepared for a harvest. Be prepared to listen to God. Be prepared to put Jesus first. Can we stand? I just want to pray first I'm going to pray an anointing over every single one of these brochures not just the one I have not just the ones that are cut even the ones up in the office that we haven't folded yet I want to pray that there is anointing an anointing on these so that every person who picks one up can expect to hear God speak to them about what they are to contribute because it's not about yeah I mentioned a million dollars I don't want to be small thinking of any of you I apologise if that just wasn't enough Um, but it's it's not a question of amounts it's a question of what God is is telling you and let me tell you that sometimes God says frightening things but sometimes God says not this time there are times when God says no this this time it's not for you make sure it is God and not you looking at your bank account and saying no this this time it's not for me But our obedience to God will will change our lives. So when you pick up one of these, believe that God is going to speak to you clearly in no uncertain terms and tell you what you can do for the future of this church, for the impact that we're having. So Lord, I thank you that as we move forward over the coming weeks, as we pray, as we argue, as we fight with you sometimes about what we are doing, let us get a vision of our future. Let us get a, vi- a vision of what the contributions we make can do to the kingdom of God in this city, overseas, wherever our influence is. And I just thank you that we are going to fall on our knees and praise you when we see the miracles that you have for us. I thank you that we are going to see a city transformed for Jesus Christ, one person at a time, through the vision that you have brought into this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we finish, and perhaps I'll ask you to, to sit one more time. The exercise is good for us, um, especially in, in this weather, because when we were in Fiji, doing this, bending over, was, was enough exertion to bring you out in a sweat. And the humidity on the building site was so great. The first day I went through four one-litre bottles of Fiji water between 8 o'clock and and 3 o'clock. And most of it dripped off my nose. We were nailing frames. I was bent over with a hammer. And my face just leaked water. I was a bit worried at some stage that some of it was drool. 
but apparently not. Um, my throat couldn't produce enough saliva for that to happen. But what was I going there? I don't know. It was a good exercise, good fun. Um, <laughs> but before we finish, it, when we talk about doing something for God, we do it out of relationship. God will do things through anybody. He, he spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. But his desire is to actually speak into our hearts with a personal relationship that he has with us. And you know, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus pursues people for this relationship. Some people think that they're far from God and that nothing that God couldn't forgive them for the things they've done. They couldn't turn back. They're such a long way from God that God would never accept them for the things they've done wrong, the sort of person they are. There are all sorts of excuses they use. But the Bible tells me that God pursues people, all people, so diligently that all you have to do is turn around and he's right there. But he will never force that relationship on us. He's waiting for us to say, okay, a bit like Simon, I'm an expert in my life. But I'm going to lay down that expertise and I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. And so what we can do is we can just say, Jesus, I turn away from my old life. I turn to you and accept you as my Lord and Savior. A simple prayer like that can start us on the road to a relationship with Jesus. It's not the be all and end all. It's not like when you meet a, a girl for the first time and you ask her out, she doesn't sign a marriage certificate on the spot. It's the start of a journey to get to know that person that may end up with that. And it's the same with us. We actually come to meet Jesus and we start a fledgling relationship with him. And our pledge is to actually walk the road together to build that relationship as we go. So if you're here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ and you'd like to start one by inviting him into your heart to make him your Lord and Saviour, I'd like to pray a prayer with you. If you've done that before, perhaps, but you realize that you've wandered so far away that Jesus isn't the Lord of your life anymore, guess what? He's right behind you. You just have to turn around and re-invite him back in. And so can I ask everyone just to close their eyes for a moment? And if that's you this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ or you need to re-establish your connection with Jesus, while nobody's looking around, can I ask you just to raise your hand high right now so that I can see it? And we'll pray a prayer together to invite Jesus back into your life. Thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else here this morning want to take that step? Okay, can I ask you to open your eyes, stand to your feet, and let's pray this prayer together. And if you put your hand up, I want you to say it with conviction in your heart as you take that step to bring Jesus into your life this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I stand here in front of you, asking you to accept me as your child. I turn away from my old life and I turn to you as my Lord and as my Saviour from this day forth. Thank you, Jesus for making me your child. Amen. You may be seated.